My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today with a very exciting guest. The guest I'm bringing on, you guys, has an incredible story to share with you. Dr. Robin, she has a, um, a background in business psychology. She is a speaker, author, founder of the Champion Performance Development, and she's also the host of Quick Hits with Dr. Robin. You guys, Welcome to the show, Dr. Robin. How's it going? Uh, thanks, thanks so much for coming Fred. on. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. Oh my gosh. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I, honestly, I'm so happy that I had the, you know, the chance to get you on to really talk about your journey. You have a very powerful story. Um, I think this is the best time to go ahead and take us, take us through it. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. Let me give you a little gaps. bit of background. I'd love to do yeah. that. Um, so you have to start, I know it's going to sound like I'm starting way at the very beginning, but this is an important piece of it. Um, I grew up in a very, very fundamental Christian family. And so when I was 18 years old, I was the oldest of eight children. Um, my father married me off. He found a man who was 11 years, my senior, who was willing to put clothes on my back, food on my table and a roof over my head. And so I was married off. So I graduated from high school and got married and was moved 3000 miles from home from California, where I grew up to Charlotte, North Carolina in three weeks that happened. You're so stunned. You have nothing to say. (laughs) It's, it's insane because I didn't grow up in a, like in a religious family like that or anything. I couldn't imagine, you know, in three weeks going through that. Yeah. So it took me about six months to realize that the man I was married to um, was not very bright was very badly in debt and had a drug problem. But the last thing my father had said to me before we walked down the aisle was, you are no longer welcome in my home as a single woman. And so I had to figure it out. I I had to make it work. And the fortunate thing for me was the first thing that my new husband did was made me get a job because he needed the money. And married women in my family don't work. So that was a huge deal. And I can tell you all kinds of crazy stories that happened, but I'll fast forward uh, to the end of the relationship. Eight and a half years later, he threw me out. He told my dad it was because I was lazy. And my dad called and gave me the riot act about how if I had been appropriately submissive, I would have been able to make it work. Now, that's where it stood for a long time. And then about 20 years later, my ex called me and said, hey, I want to try again. And I laughed at him because I thought that was hysterical. And he said, I still love you. And I'm like, the last thing you said to me was, I don't love you. I don't want to be married to you. And I don't want you living in my house. And he said, well, let me tell you what actually happened. And I was like, yeah, please do tell me what actually happened. And he said that the drug cartel he'd gotten involved with, it was a cocaine ring, didn't like me and wanted me out of the way because they wanted to steal his identity, which they did end up doing. He almost ended up in federal prison, Um, but they knew I did our family finances. And so they needed me out of the way. So I might be the only person you ever meet who got out of a bad marriage because a drug cartel didn't like her. Um, my (laughs) mind is like, wow, uh, I did not realize this story was going that way. That is crazy. I'm I'm really happy you shared that with us. Um, Dr. Robin, what, what kind of taking us back a little bit, 
what was it like, like marrying a guy? Did you even know him? Like, was this just an arranged marriage? You didn't know the guy. What was that like? I'm just I'm well, curious. So, yeah, I, I knew of him and he had been calling me and I had been taking his calls because I was a teenager and I was polite and he was nice to me. So, you know, I had been taking his calls. So I did know of him. Um, but to say I knew him would have been a stretch. I had no idea who he was as a human being. So when I got to North Carolina, my little 18 year old self was like, Oh, now I'm in deep. I have no idea what's going on here. Oh my gosh. And so did your family ever find out that he was a part of like the cartel and stuff like that? I really don't know what, how much my parents know. I do know that years after we got divorced, he did call my dad and say, look, this wasn't her fault. She didn't, she didn't do anything wrong. This is all on me. And so my dad kind of relented on, on some of it, but it's not something we talk about. I've tried to have conversations about it with them. Like, what were you thinking? And yeah, that conversation doesn't go anywhere. So I really honestly have no idea what they knew, but the benefit for me was having gotten out of that marriage, I got to go play competitive beach volleyball and kind of figure out who I was as a, as an adult. I had to learn how to make decisions. I had to learn how to date, which I did not do well. I made my own mistake five years later and married a narcissistic closeted bisexual, which I recommend against zero out of five stars. But, you know, <laughs> oh boy. Well, I, re- I can definitely relate to you with narcissism. Honestly, um, I've, I've dated a fair amount of them and I think I finally learned my lesson. So, um, mm-hmm. I also don't re- recommend you guys don't, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do, don't do that. If but you can I, avoid it, avoid it. <laughs> yes, definitely. And then at, at 32, I finally had the opportunity to go to college for the first time. And I knew at that point, I really wanted to understand how we as human beings can achieve the most. Because when I was playing volleyball, I noticed that there were some times where I would get on the court and I could do no wrong. Like I could play that game like nobody's business. And there were other days I would get on the court and be like, have I ever touched a volleyball in my life? And I wondered about the mental aspect of that, what caused that, which is why I decided to study psychology. Incredible. So that led you to studying psychology. Mm-hmm. Now, what led you to where you are today from that? So when I, when I was married to my second husband, he uh, did a lot of work in Europe. And so it was not uncommon for me to go to class all week. And then on Fridays, I would get on an airplane, I would fly to Europe and I would host wine tastings and dinner parties and do the executive wife thing. And when I was doing that, I was talking to a lot of very powerful men And what I, the story I heard over and over was how lonely they were, how they had no one to talk to about the problems they were having, how they always had to be on. And even since I've been doing this work, I have one client who said to me, I like being able to talk to you because I cannot know and literally talk in a circle and it doesn't negatively affect my stock price. So when I got out of college, I knew I wanted to help people achieve the most from their potential. And so I was doing you know, sports psychology work. I was doing executive coaching, uh, all of those kind of things. And that has slowly over time, I've been in business now, 15 years kind of morphed into the concierge high performance psychology, where I provide luxury level support and coaching to executives, founders, celebrities, and athletes, and how I got the moniker mental MacGyver. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, absolutely incredible. And now you're out there working with, uh, you know, 
these high class people in, in so many different ways. So let's talk a little bit exactly of what you do and how mm. you deliver your services to, you know, founders, executives, celebrities. Yeah. So the interesting thing is the kind of work that I do, it's not, there's not a pipeline. There's no funnel. Like none of that stuff happens in my business because chaos doesn't happen on a schedule. And the people who choose to work with me, who want to create success out of the chaos that's happening. Sometimes somebody will be introduced to me and we'll have a hello conversation. And they're immediately like, yes, I need you on my team. I absolutely want to make this happen. How do I pay you? What does it look like? Other times I'll meet someone and they'll be on my podcast or they'll just be kind of, we'll be around each other. And two and a half years later, they'll suddenly send me an email and say, Hey, do you have, can I talk to you? Do you have time? I think I have something I want to work through. So there's no formula for my business working. I just have to have faith that the clients I'm supposed to work with are going to show up at the right time in a, in a reasonable fashion. Absolutely. And it sounds like they are right. So this is they incredible. Do, yeah. You know, and I have an interesting business model in that the first thing anyone has to do before they even work with me is do a powerful conversation, which is two hours of let's do the work. Let's sit down and figure out where are you? What's going on? Who are the players in your life? What's going sideways? Cause these that's mostly men. These men are the primary asset, if you will, in, in their world, if they aren't okay, everything's not okay. So two hours of my time. And at the end of that, they can say, okay, thanks. That's great. And pay me what they think it's worth. And you'd be surprised the numbers on the checks that men will send for, for that conversation. Or they can say, yes, I want to work with you. Let's make that happen. And then I, there's a couple of different options. That is such a good idea. So you give them the option to, you know, pay you what they think or pay you based on the value that, that they had gotten from that powerful right. conversation. And if I, if I were to tell them the number at the beginning and say, Hey, at the end of this, you're going to get X thousands of dollars worth of value from spending two hours with me. They would laugh at the end of two hours. They're like, Oh my goodness, I need to write you a big check. This has been so valuable. Love that. I love that format. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, founder mental health and the head trash that gets in the way of success so many times. Yeah. So a lot of what I do, um, so I have a five point paradigm for creating success out of chaos. And the first question that I ask any client is very often, what do you want to be different? Because that's a very different question than what's your dream? What's your goal? What do you want to have happen? It's much easier for someone to look at their life and say, I want this to be different. And once I get into that, I can start finding the psychological barriers, which is the head trash, the noise, things that maybe not your fault, but certainly are your problem. And the way that I look at it is the cause of any problem is in the past. And we can go and we can dig into that and we can find those demons and vanquish them if need be. But the solution is in the present. What you do today is what determines whether tomorrow is different than yesterday. So you have to look at the cause in the past, the solution in the present, but the motivation is the future, which means being different, things being different is what happiness or success or whatever is a future thing. And you have to pull that motivation from the future into the present to make today different. hundred percent. It's huge. We can, we're in control of it, right? We have to take the step to make a difference and make that change. A lot of men have a hard time with that because they've been taught by society 
and, and their success that they have to have all the answers. They have to know what's happening. They always have to be on. And so being in a position where you say to them, hey, let, let's sort this, this isn't working for you, can be tough. And they deal with imposter syndrome and self-sabotage and upper limiting and overwhelm and all of those things that anybody else does. Absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned upper limit. <laughs> Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. Mm-hmm, the you, big have leap. you read it? Oh, every year. Oh, good. Okay. We're, we're on the same page here. Uh, do you mind diving into that topic, the upper limit real quick, just to give my audience in case they haven't read it yet, a good idea of what, what, what that means. So at some point in our lives, usually in childhood, we are told how successful we're allowed to be. So as an example, my parents told me I was average. And if I succeeded, it was because someone else who was better than me didn't try. And so for a long time in my life, I believe that anything I did, anybody else could have done if they wanted to. And so I didn't think I was anything special. I, w- I had a hard time charging what I was worth. I had all of this head trash, all of this noise about being average. And I had to overcome that. That was an upper limit problem. And so right. everyone has that, this idea that you're allowed to be this good and no better. And when we get above that, if we haven't dealt with that head trash, we start self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. I love the example you gave. It's so true. Uh, honestly, yeah, we do start self-sabotaging. You know, um, I wanted to little, uh, talk about, you know, back to the emotions part with men and working with mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. I, I also realize that it, it's a lot harder for men to really talk about those emotions and really like take a hard look in the mirror and, and, and really acknowledge the emotions, acknowledge everything. Um, and it takes a really strong person to actually go about, you know, making some changes. Did you want to talk about that touch on that a bit? Yeah, certainly. So one of the things, one of the benefits I have when I work with men is I am a former competitive athlete. So I have that mentality. I know how to dig in and make it happen. And so I don't come to men and say, how do you feel about that? I don't ask that question. I ask them questions about what are the results? When this happens, what happens? If you lose your temper, what are, is that what you want to have? And so mm-hmm. I don't ever ask them the touchy feely, lay on a couch, be a psychologist questions. That's not the direction we go. We go very much in what do you want to be different? And what do we have to change to make that different? And that allows them the space to be able to say, this isn't working. I don't like this. And sometimes they'll even say it just doesn't feel good, especially if they want to talk about making decisions using their gut. Oh, incredible. Thank you for elaborating on that. Mm -hmm. So my next question is kind of talking about conversations and community. I know that you've created amazing community of humans who really, you know, know, like, and trust you. Mm. Um, what was your best way of going about doing that? Was it through the, the call that you, the two hour call that you, you know, you don't put a, a price tag on it. Was it through your podcast? Tell, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the community really started in fervor during the pandemic. And that was partially based on the quick hits podcast, because during the pandemic, I was intellectually lonely prior to everything shutting down. I did a lot of corporate training and public speaking. I was out with people a lot. And I had a lot of what I call cocktail conversations, those conversations that 
don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but are really interesting and really kind of twist your brain and make you think. And when that went away, um, that's when I started Quick Hits was this idea of if I can bring together three people and myself, so, so four people for 10 minutes to have an interesting conversation about just a given topic. Like today, I'm going to be recording one about office politics, and I'm going to ask three other people who have a breadth of experience, what is your understanding of what office politics is and how have you encountered it in your career? 10 minutes, that's all it's going to be. And it just creates stimulation and intellectual curiosity. And the type of people who come back to Quick Hits are the people who enjoy that. And so the community I've created around that are very intellectually curious people who are good at having conversations where they'll, they can say, oh, that's interesting. I disagree with you and here's why. It never turns into an argument. It, it turns into a discussion of varying points. Right. That's important, right? Like not to argue about anything, but have an open conversation about that from different mm-hmm. angles. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun for me as a facilitator. I've definitely grown. I mean, I'm coming up on 500 episodes and I've definitely grown as a facilitator um, where, especially because it's recorded, I can cut someone off and say, we aren't going there. That is, I had had that recently and I cut it out. So you'll never find it. If you go look for it, it doesn't exist in the, in the ether, but he started going down a path of, well, you know, if you get physically abused, that's a good thing. Because then I was like, nope, we are not going there. That is not a good thing. And I've been become a lot more bold as a facilitator because of quick hits, which is really good for my work because I work with very high powered people who need me to be bold. A hundred percent. So what was your best way about stepping into that power, stepping into, you know, your true authentic self and, and being bold and being strong? One of the questions I ask my clients when they have, because a lot of my clients end up doing a lot of public speaking because of their role and they have the fear of public speaking like anyone else. And I ask them, who are you allowing to judge you and why? And that's a really powerful question. And I had to ask myself that question. Like, what am I afraid of? If I put a podcast out there and people don't like it, does that affect me? Is that a thing? And being willing to say, those people don't get to judge me and I'm not afraid of them. Whoever that them is out there in the world really helped me. Not that that's not to say I'm not kind. I'm, I am very kind, but you can be bold and kind at the same time. Absolutely. I think it's super important to be both, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I had to learn that and, you know, when I was young, I was bold and I was brazen and I become much less brazen as I've um, learn to be kinder in my boldness. Wow. Thank you for touching on that. Mm. So Dr. Robin, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your, your podcast. Mm-hmm. We've touched on it, but I mean, what, how does that tie into your business best? Well, when I first started it, it wasn't really designed to tie into my business. It was just designed to create these interesting conversations, but a couple of things have happened. I mean, in addition to me being able to practice being a great facilitator and creating this amazing community and the intellectual stimulation, it also gives me the opportunity. I can reach out to literally anyone and have an excuse to talk to them and say, Hey, do you want to come be on my podcast? Sometimes I feel a little bit like a puppy come play with me. These are a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, and, and so that's, that's been great. It's also a very easy way for people to introduce people to me. Cause I always tell people it is never a good introduction for you to say to someone, Hey, you need a shrink. I know a good one. No, don't say that. That's not cool. 
But you could say to someone, hey, I know this woman has this interesting podcast. She's got a, a different kind of business model. I think you'd enjoy talking to her. Reach out to her. So it's a good excuse for introductions. That's been amazing. It's a good Absolutely. way for people to stay kind of in my circle. Like I have people who I call quick hit junkies. They're on quick hits on a regular basis. And so that helps them stay and I stay top of mind that way. But the thing that's happened that has, I guess, been the most interesting, for lack of a better way to say it, is pre having the podcast. I mean, I, I am a luxury level service. There's no question. I, it's, it takes a certain level of net worth to be able to afford to work with someone like me. And pre quick hits, I used to get pushback. Why are you so expensive? I don't understand. Why are you worth it? I had exactly the same skills, knowledge, abilities, and experience then minus the podcast. But now no one says that to me. No one asks me, why are you so expensive? They just say, yes, I can do that. Or no, I can't. And it's interesting that the podcast has made that difference, even though it actually has nothing to do with my ability to be a high performance psychologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. Truly. Um, I, I had a question because you're, you've, you're really successful in the area um, of business that you're in. Now, my question is, any common traits you see in other hyper-successful entrepreneurs like yourself? Mm. Is it a morning routine? Is it, you know, what, what is it that you see that is co a common trait or traits between other hyper-successful entrepreneurs? Part of it is resilience. And mm -hmm. I, I just did a quick kits about resilience, but that ability to do whatever the next thing is and that ability for things to fail. And I, I had a business that my husband and I started together that didn't survive the pandemic. And I was really sad to have to let that go, but that was just the reality. Like that business wasn't gonna make it. So we had to let it go. And being able to tell the difference between the fear of, oh, I can't do this. I don't know if I should. And that you have to get over and the fear that is your gut saying, that's a dumb idea. Don't do that. And I've mixed right. those two up a couple of times and it's never good. But I think those are big parts of being successful. And I also think being willing to get help. Anyone who tries to do it all themselves is never going to make it. And I think as entrepreneurs, especially early on, pre-funding, if you're in a business where you're trying to get funding, they try to do it all themselves and they just burn out and then they, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And, you know, another thing is delegation and outsourcing. When do you know it's time to like bring some more people onto the team, get a VA, get an assistant? Do you have any words on that? The hardest thing about delegation is absolutely everything you do in your business, you're going to have more passion about and you're going to do better. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to hand something off to someone and get it back. And it's like, I could have done this better. And I know I ran into that with my podcast. When I give it to someone else to edit, the resulting 10 minutes is never what it would have been if I had edited it myself. Mm. But does it make sense for me to spend time editing a podcast? Probably not. There are some if I feel like it's a really, really good conversation, or if there's a part of it, when I do it, where I'm like, that whole part needs to come out, I will edit it myself. But as an entrepreneur, when do you decide to delegate? You decide to delegate when you have enough work that you can do that is only you 
that keep you plenty busy and you can delegate the things that can be done by someone else. And if they can do it at 80%, take the time to train them and create the standard operating procedures so that they can. Don't just hand it to somebody and say, here, do this. If you care about how they do it, if you only care about outcome, then yes, you can just hand it to them and say, here, make this happen. But if you care about the process, you need to create an SOP for it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, and you know, I hear this all the time, you know, the, one of the hardest things to do is really letting go of that control of handing over. Like we often wear all the hats in the business because we Mm -hmm. know what to do. We will probably do it best, but honestly, I think that letting go of that control and, you know, finding someone and teaching them to do it exactly like you do it, it's, it's, it's very powerful in the long run. Then you're able to focus on the business, not so much in the business. And, you know, that's really important for growth, right? Well, and that depends upon what kind of business you want. So if you right. want a business that's scalable and that you can IPO and that's going to, if you have all those kind of huge dreams, then absolutely. If you want a boutique lifestyle business that you make, you know, half a million, a million, whatever your number is in it, and you can do that on your own, there is no shame in that. And I don't understand why in so many entrepreneurial circles, it's all about scalability and you have to make these ridiculous numbers. If you're happy being a boutique business, do that. I, I don't have a huge number of people working for me. I could never bottle the sauce and what I do personally with my clients. It's unique and it's luxury. And I'm okay with that. I'm very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. It really depends on what you want as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that you're sometimes is a conversation you need to have is figuring out what does happiness look like to you? Because the world will tell you what should be happiness. And I can tell you from personal experience, I have a client right now who exited very successfully from a business and he came to me and he said, Robin, I have all of this money and my wife doesn't like me and my kids don't like me. And I don't think I like me. That's a miserable place to be filthy, rich, and unhappy. And honestly, we think money is going to make us happy and it is not true. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, To a certain point, you know, being able to pay your bills, absolutely very important. But after a point, it gets harder, especially, and I see this with my athlete clients, instant wealth, like if your business IPOs or you, you're an athlete and you get signed, that instant wealth is scary because you don't know who you can trust, who's around you for your money and who's around you for you. And figuring that out is almost impossible. Right. Right. Dr. Robin, I want to give you the next, I know my episodes are quite short, but I want to make sure that I'm giving you the next two to three minutes here to really talk about any of your biggest focuses coming on, anything, any bits and pieces that we didn't have a chance to speak on earlier about the business that you want to share with my audience. And then of course, the best connect with you, if there are people listening who are looking to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my business, like I said, is quite boutique. Um, It's, It's unique in the way that I I work. You don't Google for someone like me. People learn about me either through podcasts or or connections. And so the best way to reach me is going to my website, which is mentalmacgyver.com, which is a a lot of fun. A client of mine who exited a marketing business, I jokingly said to him, oh, I'm like a mental MacGyver. And he said, oh, you need to get that URL immediately. So that was a lot of, a lot of fun. So mentalmacgyver.com. I'm also of course on LinkedIn and you can find quick hits on podcast 
platforms, YouTube, if you want to watch the video, those are the best places to find me. But I love having hello conversations, which is 25 minutes, and you can book that directly on my website. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on my show and add such value. And honestly, adding like giving us the time and to talk about, you know, your journey and, and being open and vulnerable about your story, because that is so powerful. And I find it relates to so many people we don't even realize it relates to. Right. So mm. I appreciate you doing that. And that's what I'm looking for on my show. So thank you so much for taking the time of your day to do that for me. Absolute Brit. Have a great day. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like Dr. Robin did today to tell us about your journey, talk about this uh, podcast and your business, please go to top100interviews.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dr. Robin. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.